and that leads to some of the guilt and some of the busyness factor we were talking about before recording. The busyness factor too is like, we have to be able to do all the things. And I'm glad we grew up hearing you can do whatever you want. You can do all the things. But I think it backfired, especially on moms, Mm -hmm. because we feel like we should be able to do all the things. And guess what? We can't do all the things. We just can't. It makes us busy and overwhelmed and miserable. Hey friends, and welcome to the Girl Means Business podcast. I'm your host, Kendra Swalls, a photographer and educator on a mission to help you find your passion, power, and purpose through entrepreneurship. So let's jump right into today's episode because this girl means business. Hey guys, welcome to another week here on the Girl Means Business podcast. I hope you are having a wonderful week. We're doing a little bit of a happy dance in our family because we're done with homeschool for the year. It is finished. We turned in our last assignments. We have a couple of fun activities her teacher has sent over to us that we can do, but they are optional. No more having to argue and battle over assignments and homework and reading and all the things. I am so glad to be done with that. Even with a teaching background, having taught for so many years, teaching your own kids is a whole different ballgame. And I'm very fortunate that my daughter does is very autonomous. She can do a lot of things on her own, even at eight years old. But there was still the battle of just getting it done. That's the hard part. They don't want to do it. I don't want to have to do it. But we're over that hump, and now we are on to greener pastures and waiting to see what life looks like from here on out with school. Now, in all of this, we have also struggled with parenting. It has been an uphill battle. It's been a roller coaster ride, to be honest with you. There are days where I wake up and I feel like I can be super mom. And we do all the things. We play games together. I get my work done. We do outside. We limit screen time. And then there are days like today where I am trying to record multiple podcast interviews and episodes and do lives in Facebook groups and do all these things. And basically the iPad has become the parent for the day. I just hope that in all of this, the balance of it has been enough to keep us all sane because the reality is as parents, there is no owner's manual. There is no right or wrong way to do things. We're just doing the best that we can. And nobody understands that better than my guest today, Rachel Bailey, Rachel is a parenting specialist. She's been helping families for over a decade. She teaches parents practical, long-term tools for raising responsible and confident children while reducing parent stress and guilt. She has a master's degree in clinical psychology and a certification in positive discipline and has provided services as an ADHD coach, in-home mentor, and therapist. She currently has her own podcast, Your Parenting Long Game, where she gives tons of tips and advice just for how to create an environment in your home where everybody feels stress-free and happy and confident and is just doing and thriving in the environment that you're in, no matter what that environment is. Hey guys, real quick before we jump into my interview with Rachel, I want to remind you that the Business Builders membership program is open for enrollment. If you have had an idea for a business, but you've been holding off starting for whatever reason, now's the time to dive into Business Builders and get all the tools and support that you need to get your business off the ground. 
Or maybe you've been running a business for a while. You've done everything that you know how to do, but you've hit this plateau and you just can't seem to get your business to go in an upward direction. Business Builders is going to help you do that. You'll get monthly content that's going to help you grow your business a little at a time with a strong foundation. So unlike courses where you get a ton of information thrown at you at one time, you're going to get it in bite-sized pieces that you can easily consume, easily implement, and start seeing results each month. You'll also have a built-in support system with the Business Builders Inner Circle Facebook group. You'll have mentor-level support from myself and other industry experts where you can ask questions, have live Q&A sessions, coaching calls, and a support system of like-minded women building businesses right alongside you. Each month in your Business Builders Library, you're going to have tons of new content, but you also get access to all of the previous content that's been released into the Business Builders Library. So as the content grows, you're going to have tons of things you can access or go back to to refresh or build on. For example, in the library currently, we have an entire unit on how to create your ideal client profile. We really dive into who your ideal client is and not just the surface level. I'm not talking about what she looks like, where she lives, or her demographics. We really dive into who she is as a person, her fears, her concerns, her pain points, and how you can use that to attract her to your business. We also dive into social media and which platform is right for you based on that ideal client unit I just mentioned. We look at things like Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, what each platform has to offer and how it can benefit you and your business so that you have the tools to decide which platform is right for you and then really dive into using that platform within your business. In the next month's content, we're going to be talking about your website, what you need to have, what you can get rid of, and what's going to be the most appealing to your audience that's going to make them come to your website, want to stay there, and want to work with you. All of these content units include PDF guides, video tutorials, social media templates, and so much more. For only $27 a month, you have access to each month's new content plus the library of all the content that's already been released and the support system within the Facebook group. The other great thing is that your content never goes away. So as long as your membership is active, you can go back and access all the content within the Business Builders Library. So if you want to learn more or join our Business Builders Network, feel free to head over to girlmeansbusiness.com forward slash business builders. I will have that link in the show notes. Check out all the amazing features and then go ahead and join us so that you can start building your business today. All right, guys, let's get into my interview with parenting expert, Rachel Bailey. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the Girl Means Business Podcast. How are you today? I am great. Thank you for having me here. I'm so excited. I feel like we have so much to talk about today, and I think this is going to be a super exciting episode. But before we get started, I want to hear your story. So tell us who you are, how you got into what you do, and what it is that you do exactly. So I am a parenting specialist, and um, I originally started my career actually in the corporate world, but then eventually left to um, pursue psychology. And when I started psychology, I was actually studying to be a neuropsychologist. Um, But eventually, my husband and I, we found out that we were pregnant, so I stopped on that path. And at that point, I was still in the field of psychology, and I was working with kids and with teenagers then. I was an ADHD coach. 
I was what's called an intensive in-home mentor. So I was going into people's homes and helping with the family dynamics. At that point, I'd also been trained to be a psychotherapist. But eventually what happened was I was working with kids and with teens and parents kept coming up to me and saying, Rachel, you know, it's great that you work with my child, but like, I need to know what to do when you're not around, like when they're not getting their shoes on and we're running late or, I mean, from the small stuff like that to the big stuff, like they're having panic attacks or they're sneaking or lying. Um, And I realized that was about nine years ago now. I realized there was at that point, not many people given the really practical tools. It was all like therapy for kids, but I was like, what about the parents? So I actually started working with parents about nine years ago. And my goal initially was, and I still do this, but initially it was like, let's give parents the practical tools to raise kids who are responsible, uh, but also because I have a clinical background, also kids who are resilient, who are you know emotionally resilient and who have really healthy self-esteem. And then the one last piece I added maybe four or five years ago is I realized I could give parents these tools, but if we ourselves are stressed or overwhelmed, then all I was doing was making parents feel worse. So I built into my practice, not just those practical tools, but also how can we reduce our own stress and overwhelm so that we can actually implement the tools and we can create a dynamic where kids actually behave better and feel better naturally because we are feeling better. That's amazing. I love that. And coming from a teaching background, I remember so many times thinking, you know, my job is to help these kids educationally, but also, you know, I was elementary, so it's very much the growing process and learning how to be just good humans. And one of the schools I worked at, they actually would have parent nights. They would bring in experts to talk to the parents about different issues that we were seeing, you know, kind of coming up across the board. And I just thought there needs to be more of this. There needs to be more parent education because when you have a kid, they don't give you an owner's manual. There is no guide. And so the problem is we're looking to now social media we're looking to what our neighbors and friends are doing, the other moms in our school are doing, TV, media, you know, all that stuff. And it's such a skewed version. And it's it's so isolating. It, it it's weird to say isolating because there's ever, you know, tons of moms around. But when you're in that moment with your child and you're having a struggle, a difficulty, it feels like you're so alone. So I love that you're doing this for parents. I think that's such a, an amazing job that you have. Well, thank you. And I agree. And two, when we're looking outward at these things, social media and talking to friends, it actually increases our guilt. And my job is to decrease parents' guilt and stress. So I think, yeah, absolutely. It can be dangerous to look that way. And yeah, I've actually built my business, honestly, for the first six years of my business, all I was doing was speaking at schools and doctor's offices. And so, yeah, I do do those talks that you mentioned. And that's Mm -hmm. how I, you know, became, I even got to where I am now. So they, and parents come to them. They love them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love it. And so I, there's so many things we could talk about. I'm going to try to keep it <laughs> to, to a couple of topics, but you mentioned the word guilt and that's a big, big issue that I know a lot of moms have, you know, you, you see the, the memes are going on Facebook and the mom guilt and all of this and the hashtags, but as someone who is a full-time working mom, and but I do work from home and I know a lot of my listeners either work from home, building a business or they work full-time, have a side hustle, and are still trying to balance the whole mom thing. What advice do you have? I know this is a big question, but what advice do you have for the struggle with the mom guilt? Yeah, I love that. And one of my jobs, one of my favorite things to do is to take the big topics and make them give you really practical tools. So I'm going to do that today. Okay, great. 
the mom guilt is, first of all, the way I describe it is it's like that program running in the back of the computer that just drains energy. And so, you know, when we're at work or working on whatever our, our professional pleasure is, um, then we're thinking about our kids and we're thinking about our kid. When we're with our kids, we're thinking about work and actually for the brain to transition from what you're doing to thinking about something else and back to what you're doing wastes a tremendous amount of energy and productivity. So the guilt is like that drain that we have. So my biggest, and this is a really cliche, but I'm going to give you some action tips to make this happen. My biggest first advice is you have to be where you are. If you are working on your job, you have to be there. If you are, if you are with your kids, you have to be there. So one of the productive tips I have is to have what I call a later list. So if something about the kids comes up while you're working, write it down on your later list. And then as long as you are making some time to actually schedule what's on your later list, that actually provides some comfort to your brain that, oh, I don't have to think about it now. I can jot it down and focus where I am because I know it's going to get scheduled. I think the biggest problem I see parents have is they make this later list. That becomes another thing on their to-do that just becomes more overwhelming. But one of the things I teach parents is you have to schedule those things. And once they're scheduled, your brain is like, ah, I don't have to think about it. I've got it covered. Yeah. And I find that just in general, I love lists. And so it helps me, you know, when I'm laying in bed at night and I'm going through the 5 million things I need to do the next day, I do. And I, I have, you know, a little notepad by my bed and I usually have two columns and it's business to do. And it's like kid to do, <laughs> you know, it's, it's things like, don't forget to put this in, in this one's folder and don't forget to pack this in their backpack tomorrow and things like that. So I like the idea of having a list because there is something that it takes it out of your head and makes it once it's on that list, you're like, okay, I can focus on that later. So I love that tip. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and actually, um, you know, having, having this type of list can provide that relief and it really just, our brains are not meant to store information. That's not how they were built. They're meant to process, not store. So anytime something is in your head, that's another, you know, depletion of energy or space that you could and should be using for something else. So I actually have parents, when I work with them, create a calendar that combines their kids stuff and their work stuff all in one calendar, because when you see, Hey, it does actually all fit in. It is just such a relief. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you've been listening to the girl means business podcast for any amount of time, then you know, my love of email marketing runs deep. Not only is it a great way to generate new leads, but it's one of the most effective methods for nurturing warm leads and turning them into sales. Now, over the years, I've tested several email platforms, and my favorite by far is Flowdesk. Not only do they make email marketing simple and easy, even for the technically challenged, but they have everything you need to create stunning emails, capture leads, make sales, and automate the entire process, giving you time back in your busy day. And the cherry on top is you're only charged one flat fee no matter how many subscribers you have. So while other platforms will increase your price when you go over your pricing tier limit, Flowdesk has no price increases or hidden fees. If you're ready to give Flowdesk a try, click the link below in the show notes to save 50% off your first year. Let Flowdesk help you design emails people will love. Click the link below and check it out. I have a feeling you're going to love it just as much as I do. Yeah. Do you recommend, cause I color code, obviously like I use Google calendar and of course like the color coding, I'm assuming you recommend that as far as like, this is work, this is family. This is like, I have one for like kids sports. I have one for kids school. I have a color for my work. I have a color for my husband's work. 
And it's kind of an all massive in there. Absolutely. And when parents, when I work with parents on on productivity and time management, I actually use an app. It's a free app, although you can upgrade it, but I don't, you don't need to called Cozy, C-O-Z-I. And I actually, Cozy allows you to integrate everything, your entire family schedule, your grocery lists, your um, to-do lists, your journal thoughts that are in your head. And I actually teach fit parents how to get organized through that app. So I have a whole program on that. Um, and when you have this, or at least most of my, my client, all my clients and myself, when I have it on paper and I know what's going to happen and a lot of parents will say, well, I have it on paper, Rachel, but things come up. And one of the strategies I have for that is not to, um, schedule your day moment to moment to moment. If you only have 30 minutes for a 30 minute task and then something else comes up, you're going to be in trouble. But if you see 45 minutes for a 30 minute task and something comes up, you actually don't freak out. So gotcha. I teach parents how to build that into their schedule as well. But yes, to your point, color coding, amazing. And I just use some technology to help parents do that. Yeah, I've heard of the Cozy app. In fact, my husband and I used that years ago, on, oddly enough, before we had kids. <laughs> and then we just kind of got away from it. But I think I need to look back into that again because it was, it was great because we could both add to it. We weren't having to do that back and forth of, well, what's your week look like? And what does my week look like? And who's taking the kids to this? It was all in one place. So I'm going to have to get back on that. That was a really good one. Yeah, that is a really good one. Absolutely. So for moms like me who are working from home, I have my three-year-old at home, my oldest one's at school. My biggest struggle with the mom guilt a lot of times comes when it's this time of day, it's you know mid-morning, I have emails to answer, I have you know podcasts to record, or I've got things, you know, photos I need to edit for my photography sessions and my little one's there, you know, right along beside me playing or watching a tablet or she's got her toys out or she's coloring, whatever. And I feel like it's that struggle of, Oh, I I hate that. I'm wasting away this time that she's sitting here distracted. I we're together technically, but I'm, I'm caught up in what I'm doing. And, you know, I mentioned this to you before we started recording, but like, I love what I do. I could do what I do 24 hours a day and be perfectly happy. I don't have a shutoff switch. And so for me, the guilt comes from enjoying my job, but while my three-year-old sitting beside me doing something else. So what is your advice as far as the balance of that or how to not feel like it's a bad thing all the time? Yeah. And I think that's, it's great when you love your job, when you love your job and you should love your job. In fact, when I first start working with parents, I require them to have something in their lives outside of their kids. And if we love our jobs, there are a lot of people who are miserable. So that's, I think that's a wonderful thing. So um, I think I'm going to give you a couple of tips to be able to handle that. One is to create a time for your three-year-old that is just about your three-year-old that is a predictable time that you put on a visual, especially for a three-year-old, a visual calendar, and you would even call it by her name. So like my kids are Emily and Nicole. I would have Emily time and Nicole time. It doesn't even have to be every day. But when you know that you get that predictable time, she knows she gets that predictable time, then every other time doesn't have to be that time. So one of the things I do as a parent, if my kids want me and I'm working, I'll say, hey, I would love to listen to you. Why don't you say that for Nicole time? And because Nicole time is predictable, She's like, oh, okay. And in the beginning of Nicole time, I'll actually pull out the list of things I didn't get to talk to her about. And most of the time she doesn't want to talk about it anymore. (laughs) But in that moment, I've given her a sense of, I care. This isn't the time, but guess what? You are going to get my full attention during your time. And then you don't have to feel guilty because you have that set time. And ultimately kids don't need quantity. 
of attention. They need quality and predictability. That's what a lot of parents forget is the predictability piece. If you're consistent with it, and it does not have to be every day, like we do it once a week. And then if something comes up, like we do ours on Sundays, if something comes up on Sundays, we will literally say, oh my gosh, we're not going to have our Nicole and Emily time. And we will go on our calendar in our cozy and like, I'll have my kids move it to somewhere else. So they know just like you move a doctor's appointment or a soccer game or that they are just as important as the other activities we do. And so you're really, I call this making deposits. You're making these deposits and you're not spending all your time with them. Because I also love my job too. And I feel the same way. So it's just one thing to think about that you don't need to pay attention to them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I go back and forth. You know, I think about the fact that growing up, like my mom worked full time and I was either at a daycare or with a babysitter or a grandparent. And I I don't feel like I was neglected. I don't feel like I was, you know, never, she was never around. We had those moments, you know, we had our little evenings where we would play a game or read a book or watch a movie or whatever. And so I think nowadays there's this perception that we have to be doing something with our kids all the time or we're bad parents. You know, I, I remember talking to somebody one time and they were like, you know, my mom never got on the floor and played pretend with me. And to be perfectly honest, I hate playing pretend. <laughs> like I'm so, so I. bad at it. So do I. We bought my girls a dollhouse for Christmas last year, this really big, pretty dollhouse. And they have all these little Barbies and LOL dolls and whatnot. And luckily that I have two girls, so they play well together. But when they want me to come in and play and they're just like, pretend that this, and I'm just like, oh, this is the most like awful thing right now. <laughs> yes. I don't like it either. And that's one of the benefits of scheduling it is that I know if they're going to ask me to do it, I know what the end time is. Yeah. I'm like, yeah I can put on my pretend hat for like, it's, <laughs> I have two girls too. Um, yeah. So I totally agree. And I love that you said that. No, none of our parents played with us. None of our parents played with us. And that leads to some of the guilt and some of the busyness factor we were talking about before recording. The busyness factor too is like, we have to be able to do all the things. And I'm glad we grew up hearing you can do whatever you want. You can do all the things. But I think it backfired, especially on moms, Mm -hmm. because we feel like we should be able to do all the things. And guess what? We can't do all the things. We just can't. It makes us busy and overwhelmed and miserable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... It's so hard because there's, there's so many times when I find, I hear myself saying, I've just got to finish this one thing and then I'll, I'll come, you know, watch the show with you or I'll come sit on the couch with you or I'll come play that game with you or whatever. And, you know, I have this internal fear of, I don't want my kids to think that I feel like my job's more important than them. But at the same time, I want my girls to understand that like, when you truly love what you do. And I want them to see their mom who is building a business from scratch on her own, doing amazing things. So it's this weird sort of, and I hate the word balance. I honestly do because there is no such thing, but it's this weird, you know, back and forth of, I want to be this role model and this example, but I also, I don't want them to constantly be hearing this is more important than you. Yeah. Can I give you another tip for that? Yes, please. I think that's so, so common. And I, I love that you're a role model for showing what you can be as a woman. I think that's amazing. Um, the other tip I have is that kids don't need you to be with them all the time. They just need to know they matter. Okay. And I know that's what you're worried about. Do they think they matter less? So one of the things I teach parents is how to make what I call deposits into, I call this their need for significance, the need to know they matter. And you can do this 
in these strategies that take a minute or less. So one example of showing your kids they matter, I actually mentioned one already, like if your time with them has to move, you just show them on the calendar that it moves. But another way to do this is just to remember something they say and ask them about it two or three days later. So I actually do this by, I have a horrible memory, so I write down some of the things my kids say. And I will just like, if they were excited about learning about, you know, the, the space in school, I'll say, hey, do you remember you were talking about space on Wednesday? Now it's Saturday. Let's go to the library and find a book about space. Okay. When you remember what they say, it takes, and you don't even have to go somewhere. I use an example of going somewhere, but you could say, hey, you like talking about space. Can we um, just go look for a fact about space on, on the computer? So when you remember what they say, that is a huge deposit and it takes literally less than 30 seconds. And even as parents, we love when people remember something about us. Like if we're sick and a friend calls up and they're like, hey, how are you doing? You know, it feels good to be seen. And really that's what we need to focus on as parents is not, you know, am I spending enough time or it's, do I show them they matter? Do I talk to them in a way that shows them they matter? Do I do the little things that shows them they matter? That actually is what leads to healthy self-esteem, not putting them first all the time. Putting them first all the time does not lead to good things. It really yeah, doesn't. No. And you know, and I grew up as an only child. So I I kind of have a little bit of that like only child syndrome where when I was with and I came from working parents, like I said, so they weren't around a ton, but I was the the central focus of their attention when it was family time. And I'm not saying that was a bad thing. I honestly don't hate it, but I do see some of the traits that come from that where when someone gets a little too much, I don't even want to say too much like doting on, but again, it goes back to the whole, like everyone goes back to how they were raised. They want to do things differently with their kids, but we also want to create, you know, human beings. They're going to be good people who are going to be able to go out into the world and have good self-esteem and be confident and be leaders and be all these things. And, you know, not to keep coming back to the girls, but since we both have girls, I feel like this is a topic to look at too, which is fostering that sense of you can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. I want you to chase your dreams. I want you to live out your personality. I don't want to stifle your personality, but I also want to protect you as much as I can when it comes to the meanness of the real world. It's such a struggle back and forth. You know, I was talking to some girls yesterday just about like my daughters dress themselves. I've always had them. I mean, obviously when they were babies, they did not, but as they have gotten old enough where they can physically can get dressed, they've always picked out their outfits. My oldest one dresses my youngest one now. And very rarely do I tell her that what she's wearing is not okay. And when I do, it's usually like, "Mm, maybe the pink hearts and the purple stars need to like, let's pick one and and run with it, but maybe not both at the same time. (laughs) But there's sometimes that she'll come in and she's wearing these jeans with, you know, a crazy pattern on them and like a bright, colorful shirt and these like bright shoes. And she thinks she looks amazing. And I don't want to tell her otherwise, but I also like want to protect her from going to school and someone else saying something to her that's going to hurt her feelings. Yeah. So how do you raise children that are strong, independent, confident, who are also, you can protect from as much as you can from criticism and the reality of the real world. So I love that. I have a slightly different perspective and and I would love to hear your thoughts about this is Uh that 
Um, I think it's great to teach kids to reach the stars and be who you want to be. I also think we need to teach them that the world doesn't revolve around them. Yeah. So we need to show them, yes, you can reach for the stars, but you're not always going to be the center of my attention. So that's why I love the questions you were at, you've been asking. Um, and it's maybe not so much about protecting them as actually building their resilience. Okay. So that's sort of how I tend to look at it as um, we need to not make sure they don't experience pain. We need to teach them how to handle pain. Because uh, okay. they are inevitably going to get made fun of and they are right. inevitably going to face challenges. And if we protect them from that, they never learn how to deal with it. And that can actually make them feel worse. Mm-hmm. So one of the things to think about, I love your outfit example, is not just, um, you know, I wouldn't want to say to her, wear whatever you want and don't worry if kids make fun of you, be who you are, because I think she needs to live in a world where people are going to be mean and, you know, you kind of have to, but teaching her how to handle that. What, what would you do? What do you need to do if, if kids are mean to you? And given that's a, a huge thing I teach parents is how do you teach your kids the skills and the tools to be able to handle obstacles in life? Yeah. How do you teach them to handle discomfort? Because I think as a generation, we, like you and I and our generation, didn't learn how to handle discomfort. And that's why we want to protect our kids. Mm-hmm. We didn't learn how to handle it. So we think they can't handle it and we try to protect them, ultimately we can break that cycle. And we can say, you can handle discomfort. I'm going to teach you how. And then they become much stronger than if we protected them. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's a really good point because there's no avoiding it. You know, it's going to happen. Like you said, there, someone's going to make a comment about an outfit. Someone's going to make a comment about something. And so, yeah, teaching her how to come back from that, how to exactly. push through it and not let it defeat her or define her. Exactly. And I teach a lot of parents how to raise, I call this resilience, how to raise resilient. I mean, everybody calls it resilience, but how to (laughs) to raise resilient kids who can be in a a situation because a lot of us, like I said, we didn't learn to handle it. We were talking before about the fact that we're so busy. And I think a lot of us are so busy because we don't know how to be uncomfortable enough Mm -hmm. to either let go of some things or set boundaries or whatever it requires to actually reduce the busyness and the guilt in our lives. We don't do it because it's uncomfortable. Right. So I actually have really specific strategies that I teach parents for how to handle discomfort so that you can make the choices in your life that help you be less overwhelmed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's I, I like as I'm listening to you talk, I'm like, okay, I have five million questions to ask you. <laughs> I just need you on constant speed dial. I'm like, okay, what do I do today? Happy to do it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, and I, I come from a place where I have younger children. So I have, you know, a seven and a three. And so I'm still in that early phase of a lot of my parenting is around, like I said, the balance of work and raising young children and trying to get everything done. They still need me to do things, certain things for them, but let's talk a little bit about maybe older kids. Mm -hmm. So the preteen or, you know, teenage years. For me, my biggest fear around when my girls get to be that age, honestly, is social media. So how do you, because I know I have to use social media for my business. It's a huge part of how I grow my business. It's how I connect with, you know, my, my followers and my listeners and my clients. And so my kids see me using social media. They know what it is. They sometimes will like, they'll be looking over my shoulders. I'm scrolling through Instagram or Facebook and they're like, Oh, who's that? You know, and, and want to know what some of the photos are. And as they get older, I'm very cautious about 
how I want them interacting with social media. So how do you talk to parents of, with kids who are of the age to, that are starting to get into that? How do you approach that? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, photographers, are you ready to make 2024 your best year yet? Growing a business is tough. You're following all the successful photographers and experts, soaking up their best advice and downloading all their free guides, trying to replicate their success only to come up lacking, blaming yourself when their methods don't work for you. But the truth is, it isn't you. Free content and one-size-fits-all courses can only get you so far. What you need is personalized help and guidance, but that can get expensive. Well, not anymore. I've created the perfect solution to get you personalized results for less than $2 a day. Introducing the Focus Photographer Lab, a one-of-a-kind coaching membership that gets you one-on-one results for a fraction of the cost of traditional coaching. Inside the lab, you'll find the three C's to success, classes, coaching, and community. With classes, you gain access to a treasure trove of pre-recorded trainings and invaluable resources. With coaching, you get monthly live trainings and Q&A sessions, along with my favorite part, the weekly one-on-one office hours, where we get to address your unique questions and challenges. And then there's the community, where you get to connect with an amazing group of talented female photographers who share your passion, supporting each other and inspiring each other to greatness. The best part is it doesn't come with an expensive one-on-one coaching price tag. You get all of that for just $47 a month. You can even try it for free for 14 days to make sure it's a good fit for you. And there is no contract and no obligation you can cancel at any time. So what are you waiting for? Head down to the show notes and click the link to learn more and get signed up today. And let's make 2024 our best year yet. Yeah, I love that question. And I do do a lot of speaking in middle and high schools and to parents of adolescents and teens. So it's, I feel it's like this up. is a big, big topic. You probably get a lot. It, it All the time. Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing about social media is that it goes back to the question of protecting kids will, they will always be better at technology than we are because we are natives. They are growing up on this. I mean, they right. are, they are the natives that we are, they grow up on technology. They'll always be better. And as I study technology, which I do for my job, I know that, you know, when Instagram became popular, parents were like, okay, I'm going to be on Instagram. Kids found a way to make secret Instagram accounts. I mean, like they're always going to be one step ahead of us. So it's not necessarily about protecting them. Although I'm a believer, we should have our kids' passwords and things like that, but they can sneak so easily. But here's the thing, because I used to be a therapist for teenagers. So I know a lot about what they do to sneak. (laughs) It's not about preventing the sneaking. It's about raising kids who feel good enough about themselves and have this resilience and confidence that they don't make those decisions to begin with. Right. That they don't need to post inappropriate pictures because in reality, kids post inappropriate pictures to get a sense of validation, to get a sense of power and control. Gotcha. But when they actually feel internally in control and when they feel a sense of worthiness that comes from inside, they don't have the need to make those choices. So ultimately, I think social media is about how do we get our kids to not get those good feelings from doing bad things? How can we give them those good feelings from doing good things. And remember what I was telling you earlier about those deposits that I mentioned, uh-huh. that's actually, if I am meeting with a parent of a three or seven and seven year old, I would say, make these deposits when they're young. There are five specific areas I tell parents to deposit into make these deposits when they're young. 
when they get to the social media age, they won't make those choices. They will be internally motivated to do the right thing. They won't have to sneak accounts or anything like that. Yeah. Well, and I, and my husband says, I can't talk. My husband says this to me all the time. I tend to think 10 years in advance. You know, I'm already, I have a second grader and I'm like, oh my gosh, in 10 years, she's going to be graduating and, and this, and I can't wait for this, but I'm scared for this. And he's like, babe, in 10 years, we have no idea what things are going to look like. You need to calm down. And I get that way with social media because, you know, we have tablets and iPads and things like that. And my oldest one's allowed to get on and she does the little Roblox, which I don't even know a whole lot about it, but I've seen her play it and I've watched her do it. And we turn off all the chatting and the commenting and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but I feel like that before too long, it's going to be, oh, my friend has an Instagram account. I want an Instagram account, you know? And so I'm trying not to jump too far ahead because again, I don't know when that time comes, what the next platform is going to be. You know, there's, there's TikTok and there was there's Snapchat and you never know what the next thing's going to be. So I feel like it's just overwhelming to have to keep up with everything Yes. And I try not to, you can't, no, I try not to get too far ahead, but I do like to be prepared and have a game plan for going into, like, I don't want her on social media until I feel like she is, until I feel like she's ready. I don't know what that age is. I don't want to say when she's 14 or 15 or 16, I want to wait till, you know, it's kind of like every kid's different, but do you think that there is a way to or an age that's appropriate or how, like when parents come to you and say, my kid's starting to ask for social media, is this okay? When's an okay time? Like, do you have thoughts on that or or advice on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think just like you said, it totally depends on the child Mm -hmm. and how ready they are emotionally to be able to face the things that they're going to face on social media, because it's not just, you know, the, the danger necessarily that's on social media. It's the low, you know, social media can promote really low self-esteem when they see everybody doing those things. So it's really about when is a child able to handle, have those conversations and handle the, the, you know, what's going to come at them, handle those obstacles and handle those challenges that they're going to face. So yeah, I think it depends on the child, you know, social media, generally they don't allow you unless you're 13. Mm -hmm. So if you're on below 13, you're technically not allowed on there anyway. So a lot of parents hopefully realize that if the social media app says you shouldn't be on there, probably you shouldn't be on there. But even at 13, some kids just are not ready. No. Yeah. But the one thing I will say about worrying about the future, because just so you know, your brain is wired to do that. Your okay. brain is wired. We are survival-based creatures. So our brain's job is to protect us, mm-hmm. to predict what could possibly go wrong and try to avoid it. So that's the way we're wired. That's the more primitive part of our brain though. And everybody has that. Mm-hmm. We also have the ability though, to realize that we don't have to be controlled by those fears. And here's the thing I always say about the future is that when we think about parenting, we want to try to make a better future, but this is the irony that if we actually create positive present moments, we create a better future than we would ever have created by trying to worry about it. Gotcha. Really a positive future comes from a pot, from an accumulation of positive present moments. So um, if you think about what can I do when they're three and seven to be able to help them make these choices, help them feel good about themselves, help them feel in control of their lives. And this, these are all the deposits I talk about. If you can do that now, you will not even have to worry about it then. Cause as a therapist who used to see, I used to see the kids making the bad choices. Mm-hmm. And as a therapist, what I would do is I would actually at that age start to make those deposits for them 
because they didn't get them earlier. When you, when you see that these deposits lead to the good behavior and the lack of deposits lead to bad behavior, all you have to do now is focus on those deposits. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I like the way you break it down like that, because that makes a lot of sense. You know, I think, again, we're all super hard on ourselves and we all think that we're doing a terrible job at times, but when you break it down to the point where you can look at it and go, okay, what have I done in the past week to deposit into my child? And instead of trying to think big picture, when you're able to look at it in small chunks like that, I know that's going to help me going forward because I do, I look at it and I go, Oh my gosh, I like, this is my busiest time of year. And I've spent all day on the computer, but that even that one hour at night that we snuggle on the couch and watch, you know, we just signed up for that Disney plus we've been watching all the old Disney movies. I'm like, let's lay on the couch and watch a Disney movie. And just those little moments can be, can add up to something bigger. That gives me a little more peace of mind. So I appreciate that a ton. That's a huge Absolutely. help. Absolutely. And, and these are the things that, um, you know, all, not all deposits are going to even take an hour. Like I always teach parents about like, so one of the things you want to deposit into is their sense of control. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, they may try to get control in other ways and those depositing into control can take two seconds. It could even be something like asking your child their opinion about something. And, or even come to them and saying, Hey, I know you like to watch this show. Can you teach me about it? Can you like defer to your child as an expert? That is an example of a deposit. It takes literally a minute, but what you're doing is you're giving them a sense of control and capability in their lives. And so, yeah, when you do these things, when they're young, absolutely. You do not have to worry about the future as much, but I will tell you what you said about snuggling on the couch. Like you get extra bonus points for that. Cause that's okay, awesome. good. <laughs> I just don't want you to think that they always take a long time. Okay. It, it is, this does not, it's, it can be quick things that you do every day that really add to such an amazing future for them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I do, I, you know, I had this internal struggle back and forth where I think back to my childhood and I used to play outside by myself for hours. I mean, I had an entire, you know, made up world in my backyard and I lived on a, on a dead end street with other kids and we would ride our bike for hours until the street lamp came on. And, and I look at my kids now and they they'll go outside and they'll play, but then I feel guilty when I'm like, go play outside. Y'all, you have each other, go play, you know, and they'll be outside. I'm inside answering emails or cooking dinner or doing whatever. And again, that guilt creeps in. I'm like, well, maybe I should be out there playing with them, but like, no, they're fine. They're perfectly fine. Like they need that time away from me as well. It's, it's just that inner voice that like that, just, you know, the devil and the angel on the shoulder going back and forth at it, you know, so I have to remind myself that they are fine doing those things on their own. And what you can do when you hear this voice, because that voice is actually your primitive brain saying danger, danger, danger. If I don't do this, my kids are going to end up messed up later. That's like the primitive part of your brain and it's real and it exists and every parent has it. I think moms tend to hear it louder sometimes, although I don't want to stereotype, but um, I think we all worry about that so much. So when you hear that voice, you can even talk back to it and say, thank you for trying to protect me, but I need to gather all the facts here because you're kind of the primitive voice back there. You're my like fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. Am I showing my kids that they matter? What have I love the question you asked before. What have I done in the last week to show them they matter? And it's not just time with them. It doesn't just have to be time. Did I... Did I one time when in the past week, when I was cutting vegetables and they were talking to me, did I look up from what I was doing and just really listen to them? One time in the past week, did I do that? That's a deposit. 
So if you did that, you can say to the voice in your brain, thank you so much for trying to protect me. This isn't actually a danger area. I'm actually doing really well. Okay. So talk back to it because it's trying to protect you. But here's the thing about that part of our brain, which really is our fight or flight response, that it hasn't developed very much since the saber tooth tiger days. So we think there's threats when there actually Uh aren't threats. Right. That is not a true threat for you. I can tell just talking to you that that's not really a threat that your kids, I mean, the fact that you care so much, your kids sense that because they sense our energy. Your kids know that. So you don't have to worry if you're not out there playing with them. You don't. Yeah. I was listening to another podcast months ago and they were interviewing, I cannot remember this person's name to save my life, but they were, it was a, I want to say it was a child psychologist or family and child. Anyway, they were talking about a, an article or a book or a study that was done about free range parenting. And I, I was listening to them talk about the fact that, you know, nowadays, because we have all these kids, these helicopter parents that are constantly bubble wrapping their kids at the playground kind of thing that children don't experience natural consequences. And the example I think they gave was, you know, when we were kids, if we rode our bike down a hill too fast and we fell and we scraped our knee and our elbow, that was a natural consequence. And now because kids are so protected, parents are like, no, you got to have knee pads and elbow pads and a helmet and a vest and all this stuff and don't go too fast. And they're going to run beside them down the hill. They don't get those natural consequences until they become adults. And then it's too late. I completely agree. Okay. So I am very much of that same mindset of, I want my kids to have I want them to experience those things. So where we live, we live in a neighborhood out kind of in a suburb, but it's, we live on acreage. So all of our neighbors, we all have an acre to two acres and we live on just kind of this rectangle. Nobody comes into our neighborhood without it being someone that needs to be there. So I've started letting my kids, you know, ride their bike around the block. I can see them almost the entire way, but they don't know I can see them. I'm in the house. We have these big picture windows. I can watch them they think that it's amazing that they get to go ride their bike around the neighborhood. And I, but I have other parents who I've mentioned that to, and I get that pushback of like, oh my gosh, I would never let my kid ride their bike. Even some people that we live nearby, they're like, oh my gosh, you're letting your kid ride their bike around the neighborhood. And so now you've got, okay, I'm trying to, to do this good thing for my kids. I've got now the mom guilt of like, okay, is somebody, you know, going to come snatch my kid away because it's this person in the street said. And then you've got on top of that, the layer of, oh, now I'm being judged as a parent. Mm -hmm. So how do you fight through those layers to figure out what is really best for you and your kids? Yeah, that's a great question. So first of all, before I answer that, I want to say that what this all comes down to is another huge thing I work with parents on, which is our anxiety. If a parent is judging you, it's usually because they are anxious. And I would say, you know, I work with parents all over the country. I've been, I've worked with over 1300 families at this point. And I would say a huge majority of them are anxious parents. So maybe those are the parents who are seeking out help, but they're just, we are full of anxiety. Uh So their judgment towards you is probably their anxiety. Oh, I would never let my child do that because I'm so anxious. I couldn't handle it if X, Y, Z. And the truth is, statistically speaking, they're not likely, nothing's likely to happen, but you're also, you're keeping your eyes on your kids, which for a three-year-old is probably age appropriate. You're watching, but you want your three-year-old to have a sense of, I can, you know, remember I was talking about those deposits. You're giving your uh, three-year-old, she's thinking, I can handle this. Mom believes in me, even though you're actually watching her, which is is great because it's safer, but she actually is getting that sense, which is going to improve her self-esteem. 
it's going to make her less likely to make bad choices later. Mm -hmm. So that's a big piece of this is our anxiety. But to your question specifically, how do we deal with that, with the judgment coming in and how we deal with what parents are saying? There's another strategy. I have lots of strategies that I teach parents. And I call this tuning in in, instead of tuning out. So what I mean by tuning in is really understanding what are our parenting values. What do I as a parent want to teach my child? I want to teach my child that they can rely on themselves, that they are going to be okay. So knowing that's another exercise I do with parents is helping you figure out what are your parenting values. And then what you want to do when you hear from someone else, whether it's an in-law or another parent or whoever it is, Mm -hmm. and they're judging you, tune into your values instead of tuning out to what other people are saying. The more you look outward for parenting, the more confused and guilty and miserable you will feel. So how do you have a strong enough core inside yourself? And some parents don't have this yet. It's what I help them build up. How do you know what's important to you so that when you do hear that judgment, you can say, thank you for that information, but you know what feels right for you. And that's when you're tuning in instead of tuning out to what everyone else is telling you you should do. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, you. Yeah, you listening. Do you like personal finance or real estate? Are you itching to build wealth and create a better life for yourself or your family? Then you need to come check out the Life, Money, and More podcast with real estate agent, YouTuber, and actor, Sage Weiss. This isn't your average finance show. We dive deep and do not sugarcoat topics around money and life. The Life, Money, and More podcast releases two episodes a week just for you because we're all about helping you win in this crazy world we live in. Come join the thousands of listeners on the Life, Money, and More podcast. Okay. I love that. I like that. That's that's really, really interesting because that's true. Like I, there's constantly people, come, you know, filtering in and, and between family members or friends or who have different values. I mean, that's a good way of putting it. It's not necessarily different parenting styles. It's different values that they rely on, that they go, that they fall back to. And and for me, you know, and my husband and I were both kind of raised the same way and that we had that sort of free range freedom when we were kids, we were able to go and he grew up and in the middle of going through the woods and hiking and fishing and hunting and doing all these things. And his parents didn't know where he was till it was time for dinner. And the fact that we want our kids to feel that, and we live in an area that's really safe and, you know, and, and when I say things like I let my kids ride their bike around the neighborhood, I'm not saying that, that I just one day was like, Hey, go, go and walk about, come back when you're ready. You know? <laughs> right. right. Exactly. We have worked up to that. Yeah. yeah. We have gone on walks together where we've gone with a dog around the neighborhood and, and I've talked to them about being safe and what happens if someone falls and gets hurt? How do you come back and let me know? And you know, all these things. So it's, that helps some too. When I hear someone give me the, some criticism, I'm like, but you don't know what we've done to get to this point where our kids feel like they can do this successfully. Exactly. And that's what I want you to remember when you hear those, the, the criticism and then that mm-hmm. voice comes in your head. Oh my gosh, you know, am I doing this wrong? Whatever. I want you to turn to all the facts you have inside that they don't have. Right. And your parenting values, that is tuning in. That's yeah. knowing and listening to your parenting instinct too. Instead of, you know, they don't know your kids. They don't know you. So listening to yourself is so tuning into yourself as a parent. Um, and a lot of us don't start with that voice of what feels right to us. But mm-hmm. once you have that judgment, almost it's almost like you have this armor or a bubble around you. And it sort of just comes in and slides down. 
That's like awesome. it, when you feel strong in your parenting core, it, it, you don't really even listen to that stuff anymore. Yeah. Oh, so good. Okay. I have one last parenting question for you and then we'll kind of wrap up. But so again, going back to the, the fact that I have daughters and my seven-year-old is getting to the point where like when I ask her, how was your day? She's like, oh, it was fine. What'd you do? No, I don't know. We did, you know, and she'll still, she'll have her days where she kind of tells me like step by step what they did through their day. Yes. But as she gets older, one of the things I really want to work on with her is that open line of communication. So what advice do you have for parents who want to make sure that their kids always feel like they can come to them and talk to them about no everyday things and then the more difficult things as well? Oh, I love that. And I actually do entire workshops on this, especially in middle and high school where kids have really started to shut down. Mm-hmm. So you can do this more proactively. One of the biggest takeaways from that talk that I do is meet your kids where they are. So with younger kids, it's okay to sort of, you know, when she tells you something exciting, you want to kind of match her energy. She's excited. So, oh, this cool thing happened. Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. As kids get older, so your child, your daughter's seven, this is going to happen fairly soon, I will tell right. you, Yes. where you don't actually want to have bigger emotions than they do. Okay. So if your daughter comes to you when she's nine and she says, my friends were mean to me today. If you say oh, they were mean to you, let's fix this. Let's, you know, and your energy is actually bigger than hers. That's when kids start to shut down. Okay. So you want to kind of meet her where she is. And the other thing is another way you meet them where they are is not just sort of match their energy, but also when she tells you small things, and there's actually a quote about this, I think when she tells you small things, don't, you know, don't minimize it. Not you seem like the person who would never do this, but this is really advice maybe for other people. <laughs> you don't want to minimize the small things because to them, small things are important. Right. And the more we treat them like they matter now, and the more, you know, when they tell us something, maybe a strategy you could use is ask an extra question. So when she asks, tells you about something like, oh, I read this cool book in school today. Um, you know, maybe what made you choose that book? But really let her know you're listening part of the day, not all the day. Remember, we don't want to listen mm-hmm. to them all the time. But when you are focused, be really focused. And when you can really show her that you're with her, she's going to want to open up. People open up to people when they feel safe and when they feel heard. Okay. If you actually think about the people you open up to in your life, it's probably the same thing. Someone yeah. makes you feel safe, it makes you feel heard. That's what we want to do. Safety comes from not getting bigger than they are, our, our emotions not being bigger, and heard comes from really listening sometimes to them. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's so good. Oh my gosh. I am going to have to go back and like take tons of notes when I listen back to this later. <laughs> and um, I feel like we could have so much more to talk about. So I would love to have you back on sometime in the future and dive even deeper into some of these things. But so my last question I always ask is, because this is a business related podcast and we've been talking about parenting, but also parenting with someone who is either working full time or running a business, what would you say is kind of your number one piece of advice that you give to moms that are either running a business, starting a business, working full time and trying to also raise amazing kids? Yeah. So if we think about it from a business perspective, I think the biggest piece of advice is things will always take longer than you hope or think they will. And if you get frustrated with that, I think that brings in resentment towards our kids, towards whatever it was. So I think just keeping in mind that even if we think something, because I run a business too, obviously I I run my own business. And even if you think something's going to take a month, just assume it's going to take longer because things rarely happen 
in the timetable you want. And if they don't, a lot of times we take out all those negative feelings on our kids or our spouse or something like that. So just, I think that's helped me a lot to know that I want things to happen quickly. And they often, when you're running a business, do not, they take longer than you think. Okay. I think that was meant just for me because I I needed to hear that today (laughs) because I get in my head. I'm like, Oh, but I want to do all these things. And my husband's the one who usually brings me back. And he's like, you have a year and a half before our youngest one starts school. He's like, you can take your time. It's going to be okay. Because when she's in school full time, you'll have more time to do all these things you want to do. But right now it's okay to, for things to take a little bit more time to get to where you want them to go. And yeah. So I think that when you were like speaking right to me for that one, oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, I have loved this conversation. It's been so informational and so helpful. I really, really appreciate it. So Rachel, tell people where they can find you if they want to learn more about what you do or what you offer. How can they get in touch with you? So my website is rachel-bailey.com. And I also have my own podcast, which is called Your Parenting Long Game. And then I have a Facebook group associated with that as well. So it's called um, Rachel Bailey's Your Parenting Long Game. I think that's what it's called in (laughs) Facebook. So that's a way to connect with me for free. I have a YouTube channel, which is Rachel Bailey Parenting. Um, and I give lots of parenting tips there. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook also at Rachel Bailey Parenting. Awesome. And I will link to all those in the show notes. If anybody listening wasn't able to keep up with all of that, you can just head to today's show notes and all of that will be right there. All the ways you can get in touch with Rachel. So thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us today. This has been amazing and I can't wait to chat with you again. Thank you. Me too. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Wow. That was such a good interview. Thank you again to Rachel for taking the time to chat with me and just to allow me to kind of walk through my own parenting questions with her. I hope that those of you listening have some similar questions to kind of what I asked and what I'm going through, whether it's because I'm running a business and raising children or trying to overcome mom guilt and to really know what our own truth is when it comes to parenting. I think that was one of my biggest takeaways from this interview was just being able to look at the facts of who I am as a parent, who my kids are, what I want for them and what they're capable of, and then making decisions based on that and not based on what society or social media or the people down the street from me are saying about their children and just having confidence in our ability as our, as parents. So there's so many little tidbits and great pieces of information in this interview. I think this is definitely one that I'm going to be coming back to and listening to again and again and again, especially as my kids get older and I need to have these little parenting reminders. So to all you moms out there, I just want to tell you that you're doing an amazing job no matter where you are in your journey, whether you are trying to survive the last couple of days of homeschooling while working from home, or if you are just struggling to balance this new schedule that you have with your family, whatever your situation looks like, just know that you're doing a great job and that I'm here. I've got you. We're all in this together. So if you want to rant, if you have questions, if you want to dive deeper into this episode, head over to the Girl Means Business uh, Facebook group and let's have a conversation. Let's see. I want to know what you thought about this interview. I want to know what your biggest struggles are when it comes to parenting and running a business and all the things. So head over to the Facebook group. It's in the show notes along with all of Rachel's links so you can follow along with her as well. And I hope you have a wonderful week and I will see you back here next week. Same time, same place. 